We'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for June 15, 2008. And we're going to pick up where we left off here with this particular account of um, this uh, Operation Save America and how they were going to some different churches across America and the apostasy that they were encountering. He goes on to say, I always stand amazed at how indignant some pastors and churches become against us. Become against us. And the anger that they unleash upon us. Now, if this was biblically based anger, it'd be fine. I mean, righteous indignation, you know, these types of things. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be found sound in the faith, these types of things. But we're not talking about that here. We're talking about churches that want to hold on to the boatload of sin and heresy and apostasy that they're embracing... And they do that by turning everything around and making the person that's bringing these things to light as the bad guy. That's what they do. That's the essence of this accusing spirit that we've talked about. It says, They seem to delight in picking us apart and destroy with their mouths our work in the Lord. They criticize our attempts to save the lives of children and the souls of men and the future of the nation. And yet, when we ask them what are they doing to end abortion reform the church and restore America, suddenly their mouths become stopped. Now, let's go to Luke 12, 37. And the Lord had convicted me about this verse a few weeks ago. And I think this was an ideal place to tie this in. And this is a pretty heavy-duty portion of Scripture. And this is Jesus talking. And it's Luke 12, starting at verse 37, and we'll be going to verse 48. Jesus said, Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Okay, so that's one. Now, I'm always for, hey, if, if the Lord's saying, okay, here's how you can receive a blessing. Well, this is something that you want to do, right? Not because you think you're better, you're an elitist. It's just something that he said that, whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. How many people are doing that right now? I mean, really, truly watching for the Lord. Most people in America are basically putting their trust in a man or thinking nothing bad is going to happen, thinking that all of the things that go on are okay, God bless America, these types of things, they're not really watching. That's obvious, because of what we had just talked about in the previous teaching. If they were truly watching, they wouldn't have the attitude that pervades the church. It says, Verily I say unto you, he that girded gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. Blessed are who? Those that are watching for the Lord's return. Now, the Lord can return for a given individual any time. You know how that could happen? Through death. There's, there's a lot of people that have went before us that went on to be with the Lord. Right? That's obvious. A lot of people have died in the Lord. And absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's what the Bible says. So, this applies to all of our lives 24-7. Because... You know, take heed, you not, know not the day nor the hour. When your appointed time is. The Bible said, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. Now, if you're unsaved, it's the, it's the great white throne judgment, where you will be cast into the lake of fire. There's no, there's no hope at the great white throne judgment. Now, the judgment seat of Christ is for those that die in the Lord... And that judgment is um, to try our works as, as uh, either wood, hair, stubble, or gold, silver, or precious stones. Okay? So, this is something 
that we want to always be watching. Now, if you're watching, that implies that you haven't let your guard down. It implies that you haven't gone back into the world. Like the Bible talks about where Paul said, Demoth has forsaken me for this present world. Okay. Well, we're going to define that more as we go into this passage. Verse 39. And this know, that if the good men of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched, and have not suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also. For the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Now, a lot of people can apply this to, let's say, the rapture of the church. Particularly if you believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. I'm not going to get into that debate today. Okay? Whether you believe pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, I'm not going to get into that today. Okay? Then it says, Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speaketh thou this parable unto us, or even to all? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of meat in due season. Now this implies a blessing. Who's the, who does the Lord Jesus Christ consider a faithful and wise steward? In his eyes, okay? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Okay, now remember, we're not saved by works. We're not saved by works. Okay? But you can demonstrate your faith by works. But see, works comes after faith. If you try to put works before faith, then are all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. Okay, you cannot earn your way into heaven. For you're saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It says not of works in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. So we got to have the order right. Blessed is that servant whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall so find, shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. Now that implies the blessing in the next life, being ruler over all. See, he that is faithful with little, let's say even in this life, is going to be made ruler over much in the next, most likely. And this is the whole hearkening back to the parable of the talents when the Lord gave the talents. Out. And, and, and the one doubled his talents, and the other, uh, the other one doubled his talents, and the one buried his talent. And in, in that one, the Lord rebuked him, threw him in jail. And it says, Of a truth I say unto you, he that will make him ruler over all that he hath. But, verse 45, But if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and maidens, and to eat and drink, and to be drunken. Now this is an example of not being faithful with what the Lord has given you. And saying, hey, you know, while the cat's away, the mouse will play. That's the attitude that they have. While the cat's away, the mouse will play. That's, and I don't know, that's probably irreverent, and I'm sorry if it came off that way, but it's an example of how the, the, um, what we're trying to demonstrate here. So if he's going to, but if the servant's saying in his heart, remember, the heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked, who can know it? He says, Oh, my Lord will delay his coming, and he shall begin to beat his men, servants, and maid, maidens, and eat and drink, and be drunken. The Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour when he is not aware, and he will cut him in sunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. Now, I'm not 100% sure exactly what that means, that last verse. But you know what? I don't want to find out. This is implying that this is a servant of God that falls away and starts to be, starts to take um, his calling and his duty. Remember, we we're bought with a price. Okay, we we're bought with a price. The Lord Jesus Christ bought us with a price. This is somebody that's been unfaithful to what has been given to them by the Lord. Remember, to whom much is given, much is required. The more you're given, the more He requires of you. So if that's what happens, if you, if you have this attitude, it says He will come in an hour which you're not aware, and He will cut Him in asunder, and will appoint Him His portion with the unbelievers. 
Now, to be dogmatic, exactly what that means, I think would probably be impossible. Because we're talking about a parable, and we do see it through a glass, but darkly. But, then again, I really don't want to find out what that exactly means. Verse 47, In that servant which knew his Lord's will, and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. Shall be beaten with many stripes. See, I don't think the judgment seat of Christ is going to be a pleasant place for most people. And I'm not, I'm not including myself out of that argument. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm, well, I'm right with God and all this other stuff. Okay? We, we should always strive to be holy and for perfection. But we've, we're not going to arrive in this lifetime. It's not going to happen. It doesn't give us a license to sin. And I've went over that previously. So it says that they're going to be beaten with many stripes. So there may be a whole lot more at the judgment seat of Christ than just having your, your, um, your rewards taken away. The Bible says in that particular portion of Scripture that some will be saved, yet so as by fire. And again, I really don't want to push the envelope on that to see what that means. Now, it's better to be saved by so as, yet so as by fire than to go to hell forever. Then verse 48, But he that knew not, and did commit things worthy of stripes, this would be like, my children are destroyed for lack of what knowledge? Hosea 4, 6. But he that knew not, and did commit things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. So his punishment will be less because he didn't know. What's an example of this? Somebody that, that is saved, they had a calling of the Lord, and essentially... They weren't faithful to that calling, but they didn't know exactly you know, what was required of them. Maybe they hadn't gotten into the Word of God. Maybe they chose to follow a man more than God. They didn't know. They will be beaten with few stripes. For unto whom, whomsoever much is given of him shall much be required. See, the, the more I learn, I just use myself as an example, the more I learn, the more responsible I am to you to these people that, that would listen to this particular teachings and broadcast on, let's say, a weekly or basis. And you're in the same boat. See, once you learn this stuff, you become responsible. Now, I'm not going to be like a lot of preachers do and say, well, bless God, you better be doing this every day. We're not all called to do exactly the same thing as far as a ministry calling. Not everybody's called to go out and knock on doors. Not everybody's called to go out and street preach. Not everybody's called to, to have a radio ministry like I am. But, remember, if you're faithful with little, the biblical precedent is God always gives you more. I started out at ground zero. I mean, when I started out, I was a basically a Pentecostal, hyper-charismatic, and I had to learn a lot of hard lessons before the Lord ever gave me a ministry. I mean, I had a New Age background, secular New Age background. Um, then I went into hyper-charismatic. I mean, you know, we're talking a real bad foundation. And I admit it. You know, I admit it. And the, it took a long time for the Lord to finally get me to a point where, where, where I'm at, let's say, now, not to say I've arrived or I'm anything special. I'm not saying that. But um, if you're faithful with little... The biblical precedent is God will give you more. Okay? But with that more, to whom much is given, then much is required. Now you're at a higher accountability level. So, this isn't, you know, uh, it's, not all, it's not fun and games that we're dealing with here. Then it goes on to say, to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. So, that's just something I kind of wanted to bring up there um, regarding this particular matter. So if we go further, he goes on to say, I'm not expressing sour grapes nor throwing a pity party. It just astounds me that they have, these, these apostate preachers, have no problem wagging their tongues against brethren who carry out 
who carry in their body the marks of God. Now, in, in, re, in biblical reference, he's referring to when Paul was talking about how he had been you know, stoned and flogged and all these things. He bore about his body the marks of Christ. This guy had actually shed blood for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we may all be called to that particular same thing. But just remember, the Holy Spirit that lives inside you is the only thing that can get you through that. You cannot do it in and of yourself. You can't do it. But I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. And greater is He that lives within me, the Holy Spirit, than he that lives within the world, the devil and Satan. Remember, greater. We have greater power if we choose to live holy and operate in that and believe it. You have to have faith to believe it. Remember the faith of a mustard seed? You can move mountains? Well, faith is very important. So, it says, But why such silence in inaction against abortion, homosexuality, and false religions that are savaging our nation? That's because they're part of the problem. They're corporate entities. Most of the time, reading perverted Bibles. They've let the world into their churches. they got their Christian rock programs. Seeker-friendly, New Age contemplative stuffs creeping into the churches. They've been leavened. And a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. These churches have, for the most part, been totally leavened. They're in so far, they're in so deep, they can't even see sin anymore. They call good evil and evil good. And they reward evil for good. And the Bible says, you know, woe unto them that reward evil for good and, and good for evil. So, this is not something um, that you want to do. If you're in one of these churches, you need to get out. And then it goes on to say, If only these pastors would turn their indignation from us and toward the real enemy, perhaps the Holocaust and other evils would end in America. Just a thought. Now, again, I will bring up the point that this is a spiritual battle. This isn't just against like the person that would own an abortion clinic. And it's a proven fact, and I've done teachings on this, many of the owners of these abortion clinics are witches because they view these sacrifices that are going on in their abortion mills, where they're making money as sacrifices to Artemis, one of the um, fallen angels. They also view them as sacrifices to Lilith, which is the goddess of child sacrifice, or Moloch, or Chemosh. These are all pagan deities, Baal. And if you go to these places and you pray, you can be very specific in the way that you pray. And we're going to talk about that more later. Now, if we go, let's, uh, I'm going to read Ezekiel 33.6. Along these same lines, Ezekiel 33.6 says, But if the watchmen see the sword come, and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned if the sword come, and take away any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. Part of the reason I'm compelled to have this ministry is because of this exact verse. Because I believe I am a watchman. That's about all I call myself, a teacher and a watchman. See, I see the sword coming, and I'm trying to blow the trumpet. It's sure not because I'm trying to win a popularity contest. <laughs> Our lives as Christians are not popularity contests. Okay, and we're going to talk about more, but blessed are ye when all men revile you and hate you for my name's sake. Jesus essentially said that. We're going to look at that exact verse later. I don't want your blood to be required at my hand. I don't. If you're a watchman, particularly if you know this information, you yourself, in some extent, in some way, shape, or form, are also a watchman because you've been exposed to truth. Now, I'm not, again, we are the body of Christ. Can the finger say to the eye, depart of me, I have no need? I'm not telling everybody they're cookie cutter. And everybody's got to do the exact same thing as I do. I've seen so many preachers do that, and it really aggravates me because we're not all called to do the exact same thing. We all have different and unique functions. But there are certain things we are all called to do. Praying, fasting, um, living holy. That's a whole other subject we could get onto. And if we do know truth, and, and, and the doors are open there to present truth, and sometimes it's a matter of photocopying something and giving it to somebody, or, or maybe 
sending them a link to one of these teachings, or Pastor Slatter, or Pastor Weaver. There's a lot of creative ways. Now, if that person so chooses to reject the truth, your blood, their blood will not be required at your hands. You tried to warn them. That's the, Now that's between them and God. And that's what Ezekiel 33, 6 goes on to say. This is, you know, so... Jude 3 and 4 says, Beloved, when I gave diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. This is something we all should be doing. Earnestly contending for the faith. I don't care how bad it gets. A lot of people say, oh, it's useless. It's no, it's no use. It, it's the Bible. Yeah, the Bible did say there's going to be a great falling away, and there's going to be apostasy, and, and the love of many is going to wax cold. And when they kill you, they think they're going to be doing God's service, and that God's going to send a strong delusion. Well, number one, God always preserves a remnant. And number two, that's no excuse for you to sit back and do nothing. It's just not. We're supposed to earnestly contend for the faith. And remember, everybody's different. You may be earnestly contending for the faith in a way that's totally different than what I am. Let the Holy Spirit lead you in that. For there are certain men... Why, why do we earnestly contend for the faith? It's, it says it right here. For there are certain men crept in unawares. Meaning, they crept in to the church and they were unaware of it. Who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Before of old ordained to this condemnation? Yeah, that's a hard concept for a lot of people to understand. The Bible, and I did this, when I did this teaching on the, on the indigo children and the star children, we went into that. The Bible says that the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go straight from the womb speaking lies. It says the wicked. It says that they are vessels fitted for God's wrath and destruction. They were ordained to that. I don't quite understand that. I don't understand why God would ordain that or, or fit them for destruction and why they're wicked from the womb. All I can say is that what the Word of God says. It's not my rule book. It's His rule book. It's His rules. His ways are higher than our ways. We can't understand everything that the Lord Jesus Christ does. But these men, they crept into the church unaware. People were unaware of it. And they were before of old. The Bible says when... when um, I believe it's in the book of Jeremiah. Yeah, in Jeremiah 1. Think about this. It says, Jeremiah 1. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed thee, and this is what God's saying to Jeremiah, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. See, God knew us before we were even formed in our mother's womb. This is another reason why abortion is so horrific. God knows us before He even formed us in the womb. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. The word sanctified means to be made holy and set apart. I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. That's pretty awesome. There's all kind of other verses that confirm this. Psalm 22, 9 and 10. Isaiah 44, 2. Psalm 139, 13 and 16, and Isaiah 49, 1, 5, and 6. I'm not going to go over all those. But the concept is there. Before God forms us in the womb, He knows us. These wicked men that crept into the church were ordained, predestinated to this condemnation. That's what the Bible says. I'm not making this up. There were vessels fitted for the wrath of God. For certain men crept in unawares who, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ into lasciviousness. Which is exactly what these quotes from these other pastors sounded like to me. Lasciviousness. Being able to just do whatever you want to do with no consequences whatsoever in a lustful way. See, they're turning the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ into this sin, into, into this license to live whatever way they want to live. Because it doesn't matter, because God's going to love you no matter what you do. You can just live like the devil, 
Doesn't matter. You got saved. You said that little prayer. That doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. If you're really saved, you're going to be chastened of the Lord. You're going to have conviction of sin. There's going to be evidence of the Holy Spirit living inside you. What would that evidence be? It's called the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness, faith, temperance. These types of things. And again, it doesn't mean you walk around in sinless perfection. But we should strive toward these things. They turn the grace of God in lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ. See, in works, they deny Him, as we talked about earlier. So the Bible predicted this is going to be what happens. These men, they've so crept in, you know, they've just taken over the modern day church, for the most part. This is why you compare what the preacher or anyone is saying with the Word of God, which is the standard. And if they're not lining up with the Word of God, and if they refuse to relent, and if they want to remain in this heresy and apostasy, you get out of there. John 9.4 This is a verse that, that I really believe applies to the time that we're living in. I've been getting emails lately where they're saying, you know, they're really going to try to take the internet away. The internet is really the last bastion of being able to put out this truth. Because they're going to start censoring things and, and the Bible's going to, you know, in some places, you know, it's illegal to even have a Bible. But Jesus said in John 9, 4, I must work the works of Him that sent me, that would be God the Father, while it is day. So you work in the day, right? The night cometh when no man can work. See, I'm well aware of that. I don't know where when these when these teachings are going to get pulled. I don't know. It may be tomorrow. I pray to God it's not. I mean, the Lord is long-suffering, and I praise the Lord for that. But it may be. It may be when these hate crime laws really start to get have teeth in America, that, you know, a, a site like Sermon Audio, I mean, they may have to go through and selectively weed out many, many preachers. They may have to shut the whole site down. I don't know. The Bible, right now, is considered hate speech. Uh, we've already done teachings on that. The government's ruled on that. The Bible is considered hate speech. Just do a keyword search in... I didn't do a teaching too long ago. Bible's hate speech. That was what it was entitled. So, um... The night cometh when no man can work. Now, when the night comes, when no man can work, you can still pray... You can still fast. You can still live godly. I mean, you know, you can only do what you can do. You'll have extra time. <laughs> I know I will. I, you know, again, I, I hope that day doesn't come. Um, but I know it's a matter of time before it really does come. It has to. So, just don't take these teachings or Pastor Slattery's or anyone else is putting out truth for granted, you may want to really try to download these, these teachings onto the hard drive of your computer. And here's what you need to do. You need to get another hard drive and back that up, like at least once a week or once every two weeks. Back up your important things and make sure the hard drive is big enough to hold these teachings. Okay, because these take up a lot of space. The audio teachings, not as much as video. Videos really takes up a lot of space. But save them on a separate hard drive and unplug that hard drive from your main computer when you're not using it and hide that hard drive. If you, I mean, I'm just telling you for future reference, you may want to try doing this. It's nobody's business. But let's say the government comes in and kicks down your doors and takes your computer. You still have a saved copy of your hard drive. Not, not that you're doing anything wrong. You're just saving these things. I'm just saying. It may be something that you want to do. Think about doing. So if we go further with this article. And relating to this also. Ezekiel 22.25. What I brought up earlier about the prophets. Why aren't these prophets coming out? These supposed prophets and apostles and all these guys that are walking around today in Joel's army. They call themselves Joel's army. The third day, 
their latter rain movement, like Todd Bentley and these guys, the Elijah List, Dominionists. Why aren't they why aren't they prophesying repentance and biblical truth? Why are the prophecies coming forth that are tickling? Because if we test the spirits, we know that they're false prophets. They're deceitful workers. They've transformed themselves into the appearance of a minister of righteousness, which is what the Bible clearly states. It's no marvel that if Satan can be transformed into an angel of light, it's no marvel that his ministers can be transformed into ministers of righteousness. Now, Ezekiel 22.25 says... There is conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof. I'd say that's true today. Like a roaring lion raving, ravening the prey, they have devoured souls. This is what I think about with guys like Benny Hinn or Todd Bentley. Like a roaring lion ravening the prey. That would be like a lion leaping on prey and devouring it. They have devoured souls. See, they're taking these people's souls to hell. Because they've chosen to believe their false, polluted, leavened, unbiblical doctrine. They're devoured souls. They have what what worse thing could you do to somebody? What worse thing you you could go and you could take every bit of money they had? You could kill their family, you could do everything in the world to that person. You could abuse them, you could imprison them, but is there anything worse that you could do to a person than to take their soul to hell? Remember, of whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. If you let these these false prophets and these false workers and these, and these false pastors and these false supposed apostles or prophetesses or whatever, if you let them overcome you, you will be brought into bondage by them. You will be given over to strong delusion. It's pretty scary stuff. They have devoured souls. They have taken the treasure and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. That's what it says about false prophets. I'd say that's pretty appropriate to today's day and age. Jesus warned in Matthew 6, 22 and 23, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee is darkness, how great is that darkness? The church for various reasons has allowed the light of Christ within her to wane and become murky. Thus in America, it is any small wonder that our nation is left groping and stumbling in gross darkness. Yes, because as the church goes, so goes the nation. This nation is just purely a byproduct of where the church is at right now. Purely. Woe unto you pastors that scatter the sheep of my flock that give them leavened doctrine and bread to eat. Woe be unto the pastors. This is about as serious of a subject as you could probably just about talk about. For the sake of brevity, this report will concentrate on one specific doctrine. We haven't even got to the doctrine of blood guilt yet. This has just been a warm-up to that. (laughs) An hour and a half warm-up, sorry. This report will concentrate on one doctrine, the doctrine of blood guilt. It is, at least in my mind, one of the most important doctrines that the modern day church ignores in America to its own peril. Bad theology inevitably leads to bad behavior. So, if it's a bad biblical theology, it's going to lead to an unbiblical, reprobate behavior. It's just cause and effect. The premise, this premise reveals why the church is either complicit or complacent with the dominant evils that are destroying America. Correct orthodoxy or or biblically right teaching 
was how we define correct orthodoxy, on one hand, produces pro- proper <clears throat> orthopraxy, which is right living, biblically right living. Unfortunately, much of the church seems blissfully, and in some cases willfully ignorant, of this proposition. As bad theology corrupts the church, it not only serves to weaken her mission, but it has historically strengthened the oppressors of mankind and victimized the weak. Now remember, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. We've went over some reasons for this leaven that's creeped into the church. A lot of it has to do with seminaries as well. Because the cemeteries, I mean seminaries, are the ones training these pastors in this particular way. For the most part. Not, I'm not going to make absolute, total... There's always exceptions to every rule. Okay, essentially, that we're talking about here. But, and I know there's not biblical exceptions to a lot of things, but I mean in this particular instance. I don't want to make an absolute 100% blanket statement about every seminary that there is. But for the most part, they're a gigantic reason that the church is in the shape it's in. Because they're the foundations of the pastor's, teach, of the pastor's education. He's a byproduct of what he's learned in the seminary, right? Yeah. You know, they teach him, go get yoked up with the government, get your 501c3 status, go to the state and get your license to preach. Where's that in the Bible? Go to the state and get a license to preach? Why? So you can marry people and say, by the power invested invested in me in the state of, let's say, Florida, I now pronounce thee man and wife? Don't you want to have that power invested in the Lord Jesus Christ? Not the power of some state? Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. I'm just bringing up some points to think about here. When communicating with this man called Dr. Talbot about this very dilemma, he said, America does have the theology to maintain our biblical and historical freedoms. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, Does not have the theology to maintain our biblical and historical freedoms. I wholeheartedly agree. Lamentations... 4, 12, and 13 says, reveals, this reveals what happens when the church veers from the truth. And it says, quote, The kings of the earth and all the inhabitants of the world would not have believed that the adversary and the enemy should have entered into the gates of Jerusalem. For the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests that have shed the blood of the just in the midst of her So this is why the kings of the earth and the inhabitants of the world have entered into the gates of Jerusalem at the time. Why? Because of the sins of her prophets. At the time, you know, Israel, the covenant people of God, the reason that that fell apart was because of the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests. It started with the prophets and the priests. It says they've shed the blood of the just in the midst of her. Now there's a lot of different ways you can shed the blood of the just. But it had gotten so bad, according to Jeremiah 7, Jeremiah 11, and Jeremiah 14, that they were actually participating in child sacrifice. And calling themselves children of God kneading and baking cakes to the Queen of Heaven, Ishtar, or the modern-day Mary of the Catholic Church. God finally got to a point in those particular portions of Scripture that I just talked about, where He said, Do not pray for this people, because I will not hear your prayer. They have gone backwards. They have done worse than their forefathers. See, you'll get to a point, God just doesn't give you infinite amount of chances to get saved. Spirit of God will not always strive with man forever. When it talks about, behold, today is the day of salvation, you better, you better jump on that offer. Because there's been many a people on their deathbed, or close to death, that said, I'm going to wait, and they get to that point, and they can't get saved. There's no conviction. The Holy Spirit is not there to draw them anymore. It's not something you want to ever put off. Ever. Not for one day, not for one second. And again, notice as the church goes, so goes the nation. 
In this passage of scripture, God reveals the pagan kings of the earth were scratching their heads, wondering how could the enemies of God capture their gates. They were even one of their enemies were saying, I wonder how we could even capture their gates. These gates biblically represented the threefold seat of power in a city. It was the seat of political authority, the seat of judicial authority, and the seat of commerce. And again, so as the church goes, so goes the nation. So if the church is corrupted, the political authorities are going to be corrupted, the judicial authorities are going to be corrupted, and the, and the commerce is going to be corrupted. Is there ever a nation where we have more corruption, starting at Washington, D.C., in regard to political corruption, judicial corruption, and commerce corruption, or business? It's corruption everywhere you look. As the church goes, so goes the nation. The church isn't being salt and light. Salt and light. Salt is a preservative. A preservative. It preserves the environment within it. It's also a potential irritant. Truth is never fun. It's irritating to most people. Light always exposes darkness. It's not being done. For the most part, the church is silent. They have the avenues to do it. They have the avenues to do it now more than they ever, ever, ever have. With Sky Angel and TBN and all their avenues. They have more avenues to expose darkness in the church now than they ever have. Therefore, they're even more without excuse. I don't have... I don't have anywhere the kind of, of monetary means that they have. I, ha I mean, I have to work separately in order to be able to do what I'm doing here. And, I mean, they've got millions and millions and millions of dollars at their disposal that they're squandering, that they're, that they're using on, on, on their own lavish lifestyles and to grow their leavened apostate empires that ultimately will be fused in to the one world church. Most likely underneath the Catholic church. They're all going to come underneath that mantle. We have to have a one world church, one world political system, one world you know, currency in order to have that's what the Bible predicts in Revelation. So As the church goes, so goes the nation. According to this passage, you cannot have civil tyranny without first the church becoming apostate. Now they make a good point. Wickedness cannot come to power to capture the gates of a land unless it first had to pass through the sins of the church. A compromised church, compromised church, compromised. Boy, I had a lady unload on me this week about that. She just was righteous and dignant. I use the word compromise instead of compromise. I am so sorry. She let me have it, quote, with both barrels. That's what she said. She hoped, hoped it would do me some good. Hoped it would do me some good. Most haughtiest, sanctimonious, condescending email I probably have ever gotten in my life. So sorry I told her I have not lived up to your high standards. And I am not 100% linguistically accurate 100% of the time. I told her, I said, your, your email's done me no good. None. Other than, yes, I'm going to try to work on that even more. I said, you violated the first scriptural principle that if you believe that I'm in, overtaken in an error, the Bible says if you see a brother overtaken in a fault, go to such an one in a spirit of meekness lest thou also be tempted. Well, hers was anything but meek. But you know what it boiled down to? I put out an email this week on George Bush, on the fruits of George Bush, and all the documentation that goes along with it, and it's so easily documentable. You can't argue with hard documentation of a person's actions. That's all I did, but see, that's what triggered it. She attacked me on this. She chose to strain at gnats and swallow camels. Because she was, she was mad because of what I put out against Bush. 
I, you know, may the Lord's will be done. Anyway, if we go further, <clears throat> a, comprom- a compromised church and civil tyranny walk hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. The truth America having to, is having to and will learn the hard way. Jeremiah, at great personal peril, pointed the finger in the right direction as he exposed the sins of the prophets and the priests. It was their failure to represent God's heart and message to the nation that paved the way for tyranny, oppression, and destruction. I agree. The salt had certainly lost its savor, and and as Jesus warned, they became good for nothing. When the salt loses its savor, it becomes good for nothing. But to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men? That's a warning. It's not how you start out as a Christian. It's how you finish. I started out (laughs) pretty bad. I'll be honest with you. I did. I was in about every deception. And it's all I knew. I mean, it is. It's all I knew. And it's a big reason I do what I do today. Because I can look back and have some righteous indignation about how deceived I was. And I don't want other people to be deceived. Because I do love them enough to tell them the truth. And because I am accountable and responsible now for what I know. You know, as you would men do unto you, do ye also unto them. It's the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have done unto yourself. That's very biblical. So now I know this. I don't want other people to be deceived. I have this, you know, this ministry the Lord gave me. Praise the Lord. It's His ministry. It's not mine. So, he also pointed out one particular sin that God's people refused to deal with justly. It was the sin of allowing the shedding of innocent blood in their midst. And that's the crux of this teaching today. They declined to rescue those who unjustly sentenced those unjustly sentenced to death. Okay, now let's go to Proverbs 24, verse 11. Proverbs 24, verse 11. If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death, and those that are ready to be slain, forbear means you don't do it. If you if you don't try to deliver them that are drawn unto death, and those that are ready to be slain. If thou sayest, Behold, we knew it not, and you did know better, obviously. Doth not the Lord, does, does not he that pondereth the heart consider it? See, God knows our heart. We can't hide anything from him. And he that keepeth thy soul, doth he not know it? He knows your heart. And shall not render to every man according to his works? That's a warning. That's a warning, which goes along with Ezekiel 3 and 33 that I said before about the watchmen. If he sees the sword coming, he better, he better warn the people of the city. Or their blood will be required at his hands. They fail to speak, these people, these preachers, they fail to speak for those who could not speak for themselves. Let's go to Proverbs 31, 8 and 9. Proverbs 31, 8 and 9 says, Open thy mouth for the dumb. Now, remember, this is Old English. Okay, so they're not being mean here. In this particular instance, the dumb meant maybe the mentally challenged. Okay, that's a nice way of saying it. Open thy mouth for the dumb in the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. Open thy mouth, judge righteously. See, we're supposed to judge righteous judgment. Jesus Christ said that. We're to judge... Oh no! He just said, judge not lest ye be judged. That was hypocritical judgment. It was when you have a beam in your own eye and you're judging the speck in your brothers. That's hypocritical judgment. That's when you don't judge lest ye be judged. The Bible also says, he that is spiritual judgeth all things. This is in the New Testament. So we are supposed to judge righteously. As a Christian... 
See, that's, that's the excuse for everybody in the Pentecostal and, and, and in the apostate church movement. Oh, I don't care what's going on. I'm not supposed to judge anybody. Yes, you are. You are supposed to reprove the unfruitful works of darkness and have no fellowship with them. You are supposed to mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Romans 16, verse 17 and 18. You are supposed to do that. Paul marked them. Where, where did he mark them? Where did he mark them by name? Well, let's, let's just read a couple things. 2 Timothy 4, 14 and 15. Paul says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. He said it right here, named by name. The Lord reward him according to his works. Well, that's not blessing him. Why would you want that devil to be blessed? So he could prosper in his sin and take more people to hell? Now, hopefully the guy will get right with God and get saved. But he said right here, He did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou where also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. 2 Timothy 4.10 For Demoth, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. I just mentioned that earlier. Titus 1.9-14 said, Holding fast, fast the faithful word, as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine... See, the first thing you do is you hold fast the faithful word. The word of God. And then, you that you may be able by sound doctrine to both exhort... And convince the gainsayers. These are people you're contending with that are against the, the, the true word of God. Hopefully you can convince them and exhort them. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers. Well, I would say this applies more today than it's ever applied. Unruly and vain talkers and deceivers? Especially they of the circumcision. Meaning the religious Jews of the time. Who, of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then it says, whose mouths must be stopped. It says it right there. Are you praying that their mouths be stopped? It's biblical. Well, that's not done in love. But it says, whose mouths must be stopped. They're taking people to hell. They're devouring souls. Are we to pray that they be blessed in their wickedness? I don't think so. Who subvert whole houses. Just turn on TBN. You'll get your whole house subverted. You want to get subverted? Just turn on these televangelists. They'll subvert your whole house. I've gotten several emails mentioning to me how this whole Todd Bentley thing has already ripped whole houses apart. Well, that's pretty good fruit. Because they've fallen under Todd Bentley's spell. And the other people in the house, even though they may be even unsaved, can see that this man is a charlatan. And he's a devil. But because they don't want to go along with this, their whole houses are being subverted. That's just one example. Teaching things that they ought not. Why? For filthy lucre's sake. For money. The love of money is the root of all evil. These are hirelings that have no true love for the sheep. Well, if you're a hireling, what does that imply? You're doing it for the hire or for the money. They have no true love for the sheep. Wolves in sheep's clothing. One of them themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, one of themselves it said, even a prophet of their own said, the Cretans are always liars. Now this is a whole race of people he's indicting. He said they're always liars. Evil beasts, slow bellies. You get the impression they're always liars, they're evil, and they're lazy. Then he goes on to say, this witness is true. He confirms that this whole race of people are always liars. Now, does that mean they can't ever... No, it doesn't mean that they can't ever be saved, because the Lord Jesus Christ can transform a person. 
But for the most part, I have encountered races that are like that. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be found sound in the faith. What's the remedy for the Cretans that were always liars and slow bellies and evil beasts? Well, you rebuke them sharply, that they may be found sound in the faith. That's what I did to this lady that emailed me this week. I rebuked her sharply. She was way biblically out of line. And then it says, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. You don't, you don't give heed to Jewish fables. You know how many people are getting swept up in the whole Messianic Jewish thing? Oh, we got to keep the feast days, and we got to keep the Sabbath, and we got to do this, and we got to do that. When the Bible clearly states that Jesus Christ has freed us from the curse of the law. We don't sin that grace may be abound. Okay, and yes, by the knowledge of the law, we know sin. Not that the law is evil. The problem is, is we're, Jesus Christ is a better covenant. If righteousness cometh by the law, our faith is dead and in vain. So again, everything with biblical balance. The Bible says a man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject in Titus 3.10. Mark 6.11 And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you, when ye depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Oh, well, that's not loving. That's the Bible. Galatians 1, 6-10 says, I marvel that ye be so soon removed from him that called you under the grace of Christ unto another gospel. So soon removed, you know, Jesus Christ had just been crucified. They were already starting to become removed from the grace of the gospel. Unto another gospel. That's what you're getting in all these other apostate churches. Another gospel. Then he goes on to say, Paul says, But though we, he's including himself, but though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you, than that which ye have preached unto you, let him be accursed. See, this isn't, this isn't the teachings you're going to get typically in most churches across America. Not all, but most. As we said before, now he says it again, he reiterates it. So say I now again, if any man preached any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? That's what most people are doing. They're seeking to please men. That's all they care about. The fear of man bringeth a snare. For if yet I pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. So this is a Christian self-check. Are you living your life to please men? Or please Christ? See, the Word of God's like a mirror. And when you read it, it will expose, me included, It'll expose us. Most of the time, it's not going to be pretty. Jeremiah 48.10 Listen to this verse. Jeremiah 48.10 Cursed be he that doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully. Isn't that what they're all doing, pretty much? They say they're doing the work of the Lord, but they're doing it deceitfully. They're omitting the weightier matters. They're straining at gnats and swallowing camels. They're giving a leavened doctrine. Another gospel. The Bible said, Cursed are those that doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully. Going back to this article... Like Cain before them, they decided by their silence and inaction that they were not their brother's keeper. In other words, these are the people that have just chose not to contend for the weak, the widows, the orphans, and, and just chosen to sit back and let sin permeate everything and do nothing. Now, if you fall into that category, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm just here to warn you. And I'm here to say you can change, start changing that all today. Another thing that you can do is when you go out, you can leave tracks. Chick tracks are the ones I use. 
You never know how God could use a track. You have no idea. There's a lot of different things that you can do. Okay, is the point of this. It's not just cookie cutter here. The modern day church is as woefully ignorant concerning the doctrine of blood guiltiness as they... Oh, as they were, okay. In other words, the modern day church is as woefully ignorant concerning the doctrine of blood guiltiness as the church or, or the God's chosen people were when the Bible was written during these verses. Seminaries, when it comes to this particular doctrine, usually don't even talk about it. It's not even anywhere to be found in their teachings. And yet, it is this lack of revelation within the church that is responsible for much of their defilement. Uh, we've mentioned other ways the church has been defiled. This is another way. Child sacrifice, uncontested by the church, pollutes God's sanctuary. We're going to see what this does. Child sacrifice. It profanes God's name and it invokes divine retribution upon any nation that practices this grave evil. Go to Leviticus 20, verse 1. Leviticus 20, verse 1, says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Again, thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, Whosoever he be of the children of Israel, or of the strangers that sojourn in Israel, that giveth any of his seed unto Molech. Now what is this? This is child sacrifice. They were giving their seed unto Molech. They were giving their children in child sacrifice unto Molech, usually for a financial blessing. Now, abortion in today's day and age is still done in many ways for the same reason. Really, to the God of convenience, because these kids are inconvenient. And we want to just get rid of them because we don't want to have to deal with it because I can't afford it. Well, God is perfectly capable, the Lord Jesus Christ is perfectly capable of supplying your every need. Particularly if you're doing the right thing. Never would he call somebody to abort their baby because they want to save money. They did it. Today though it's done in darkness in the womb. So it's more palatable. In behind four walls in a doctor's clinic with a doctor in the, in, in the womb. And the mother doesn't see, you know, the aborted baby most of the time. So it's much more palatable. The effects are still there, though. The spiritual aspect is still there. The innocent blood that defiles the land is still being spilt. And when they did this to Moloch, from the accounts that I've read, they had this statue that would have um, hands, and they would have a fire stoked under the hands, and the um, hands were heated to white hot and they would lay their babies on white hot hands and I, I can't even comprehend that. How could somebody do that? But this is what they did. And many times the hands were angled upward and they had a hole in its stomach and they would put the babies on the hands and the baby would roll into the, to the fire of the stomach. That, 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 is, that is just so incomprehensible. Uh, I don't know. I, I just... you got to be really, really, really demon-possessed to do something like that. Leviticus says, For of the strangers that sojourn in Israel, that giveth any of his seed unto Molech, he shall surely be put to death. If you were caught sacrificing your child, you were put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. Could you imagine if, if everybody that was getting abortions, if, if this, now granted, we're not under Old Testament Levitical law. But this is something that, that the scriptural principles here, you, you don't sacrifice your child. You don't kill, you don't murder your child. And then it says, I will set my face against that man. This is the this is the one that um, sacrificed his child, the Molech or the woman, and I will cut him off from among his people, because he hath given of his seed unto Molech to defile my sanctuary and to profane my holy name. 
And if the people of the land do any way hide their eyes from the man, when he giveth his of his seed unto Molech, and kill him not, that, that, was, that was the only thing that... Now, we are not, again, living in this dispensation. I'm not saying the Lord Jesus Christ cannot forgive you for having an abortion. I'm not saying that. Okay? A lot of people had abortions before they were even saved. And the blood of Jesus Christ can cover all sins. Okay? It's just that in this particular dispensation, this was the punishment. It says, Then I will set my face against that man and his family. These are the ones that didn't do anything about it now. Against that family and will cut him off and all that go whoring after him to commit whoredom with Molech from among their people. So now the responsibility actually fell upon the people to police this situation that this man was stoned to death and killed. To put away the sin of the nation. Before the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is how these types of things had to be dealt with. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. It's the way it was. The true church knows full well the doctrine concerning the blood of Christ and its redeeming power, but how many know and teach what happens to a nation that sheds innocent blood? I'm going to go ahead and stop there because we're almost at, a, at an hour and ten minutes here. And I like to keep these teachings to where you can get them on a CD because I've had people request that from me. So we'll go ahead and um, stop there on that note and we'll continue part three shortly.